Gentlemen, welcome to the Be Man Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Denning, the creator and coach of the Be The Man Masterclass and Tribe. And fellas, man, if you're not in the tribe already, I hope you will join us. Get in this brotherhood, this band of brothers of great men who are striving to be our absolute best selves and to cheer each other on and support each other. It is awesome. It is absolutely awesome. Hey, fellas, just a quick reminder, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please do so. And you're, you know, you're free to leave a review as well, up to five stars, uh, and share this with friends, family, and colleagues so we can get this message out here. Today's guest is Matt Schneider, and Matt is a stud and a new friend of mine. He is one of the coaches and trainers with The Project, and actually has he's an entrepreneur and a businessman and has his hands in several different things. He's doing some, some coaching and training and uh, sales, he's got software stuff going on. He's got a lot of great stuff going on, but the biggest inspiration that I took away was how drastic the changes and how quickly it happened for him. You're, you're going to love his story. His, his story is both instructive and inspiring of what can happen with just some some real grit and, and hard work and leveling up. And we talk about you know dropping the ego and, and pulling off the mask and taking just a raw look at yourself and leveling up in your leadership and your skills so that when opportunities appear, you're ready to take advantage of them. And how quickly, in, in a matter of just a few years, you could totally transform your life and jump into big opportunities and and responsibilities for that matter and shoulder that stuff and, and really create some change in your life. And we we go through his story and how and he started started in a rough spot and was totally unprepared and how he, he built this life. And we talk about marriage and, and parenting and life and family and, and all that good stuff. You're going to love this episode. So dive in, gentlemen. Let's get started. All right, Matt. Thanks for being here, brother. I know. Uh, I know you've got a lot to share. From you, you got your hands in all kinds of things, and and got a background and a lot, lot to share with with all the work you're doing in, in from business to fitness, to to men and boys, all kinds of stuff. So, but let's start. Um, let's start. Just give us a little bit of your background. Tell us your story, and then how you got into this. Like, I don't know. Again, you're you're a man on a mission here, and yeah, you got, you got a lot of things going on. So, give us give us your background, your story. Yeah, man, you bet. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to come in and and chat with you and uh, hopefully provide some value to your listeners. But um, so first and foremost, I'm a husband and father. Um, that goes on the top of, of my resume um, each time I, I um, introduce myself. But I've um, been married for 16 years, know my wife for almost 20. I'm a 13-year-old son uh, who's just started seventh grade the other day. And nice. um and so I'm very blessed when it comes to the family. Uh, I've got a fantastic wife, very supportive, and really makes a lot of what I do very possible. Um, as far as origin goes, I guess it just depends on how, how far you want to back up. It is, it is very relevant that I come from a background where my mom is currently on her ninth divorce. And um, my, my mom's on her sixth, so we got some okay, I, there. I've yet to meet anybody who's actually able to beat that record. I've met that's, one person who's, who's, who's there. matched it, but I've never met anybody that that beat it. And so wow. um, a revolving door of men that coming and going my whole childhood and adolescence and younger years um, really made the focus of my mom's attention on uh, relationships that were uh, in the honeymoon stage that quickly went into the um, failing stages. And then it was a rinse and repeat. Um, not to say that she didn't absolutely love and cherish her, her five kids. Um, she actually did, but it's, it's relevant because of the cycle that I ended up breaking later on, which is why I start with being married for 
for um, 16 and yeah, and together for 20. Same um, man, that that's cool, brother. That it, and because what you're saying is there that in between was it was a honeymoon stage and then it ended up being a lot of fighting, misery, yeah. and tears. Yeah. and end and then starting over and that's what i saw on and on and on and i moved out at 16 and i was like i'm stopping this crap like mm-hmm. i will not carry on this this problem so that's awesome that that that's kind of a, a background you come from yeah prioritize marriage yeah yeah man because at some point i i determined that um that was not the the life i wanted to lead because it just there was no real happiness and fulfillment there and uh, because of the, you know, the amount of animosity and, uh, you know, in the earlier years for her first several husbands, they were just the, the wrong kind of guy altogether. And my mom comes from her own background and, you know, we could save that conversation for a different, a different um, podcast, but, you know, she is a product of the environment that she was raised in. She just right. didn't break the cycle. Yeah. And so I, I made a determination at some point that I wasn't going to repeat it and, um, and I, and I haven't, and I'm very proud of that. Um, so, um, I got into law enforcement when I was 21. Um, I was very ill prepared for that stage of my life. As you know, you can imagine with my background, the funny quick story is when I started college. So basically I, I knew a guy who was a cop. He took me on a ride along and I'm 20 years old. And, and I think, Hey, this is a pretty cool profession. Like they, these guys are out there and they're, they're that, that thin blue line. They're the element between the good and the evil. And, uh, and so I thought this, this might be something I want to do. So uh, growing up in Eastern Idaho, in Idaho Falls, there was a nine month program down in Pocatello, which is about 50 miles south of Idaho Falls and it's Idaho State University. And so I found this program and what it did was it made you certifiable. So if you went to the program and you passed it, then um, agencies that wanted to pick you up, they wouldn't need to send you to the academy later on. And so you got certified in both detention if to work in the jail and then patrol to work on the road. So I found this program. I set myself up for it. I said, let me see what this is all about. And, and maybe it is a profession I want to jump into. So I registered for, for college and I, and I started attending class. I'm about two weeks into it. And, um, and Greg, I get a call from the registrar's office and they say, Hey, this is Matt Schneider. I said, yeah, this is Matt. And he said, um, Hey, quick question for you, but how is it that you plan to pay for your, your college? How do you plan on paying for your tuition? Because we have nothing on file for you in regards to scholarships or tuition or, or uh, student loans or anything. And I, I said, well, well, first of all, um, are you you meaning to tell me that college actually costs money? Uh, nice. <laughs> so here I am. I'm 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 19, 20 years old, and and as as dumb as it sounds, that was my reality. That be, my mom was was so wrapped up in this. If it gives you any yeah. kind of idea how how ill-prepared myself and siblings were as an adult, I did not know college cost money. So I go down, I fill out some emergency student loans that all goes through. I finished the program and I determined, yeah, this is definitely a path that I want to go down. Um, but I wasn't done with school yet. Uh, I wanted to continue with, with my education. So I moved to Boise uh, and that's on the, the Western part of the state. Um, the state capital of Idaho, and I started attending classes at Boise State University. Um, got my degree in psychology. Met my wife along the way, or who would become my my wife. She just had to have me, Greg. That she just had to have me when she saw me. Uh, <laughs> it is a story I tell. It's it's uh, not the story she tells, and she tells the true story. But um, then I got into law enforcement in 2006. I did a year in the jail. Um, then I went out to patrol. And I did that for several years. I ended up going on to the SWAT team uh, and spent five years on the entry team. 
uh, a couple of years with the U.S. Marshal's Office fugitive team. And then in 2013, I became an accidental entrepreneur. So uh, my grandmother, my, my mom's mother, she and her brother um, in the early uh, 40s, late 30s, they had opened up a sporting goods store in San Francisco. And um, it was around Market Street. And I don't know if you're familiar with that area, but Market Street's in a, in a pretty optimal spot for business down in San Francisco. And, and um, a large hotel chain approached the family and asked to buy the they didn't want the business, but they wanted the location. Right. So a deal was struck. Uh, my mom came into a pretty sizable amount of, of money as a result. And because my grandmother had passed away. And so her her 50% got split up amongst my mom and her two siblings. Uh, and my mom said, hey, look, I don't I don't know what to do with this money, but um, but I'd like to invest in you because you're a pretty safe bet. Uh, and I had never really thought much about being an entrepreneur prior to that point. But all of a sudden I found myself. Wow. With, with an opportunity. And um, and so I started thinking, what what like what could I bring to the market? Uh, and that led me to opening up forward movement training, which was a 30,000 square foot in 30,000 square foot out. A reality-based training facility where we train civilians, law enforcement, military, um, on all things weapons and tactics, um, and just had an absolute kick in the pants in regards to the model itself. Um, the first couple of years were just absolutely awful as an entrepreneur because I I didn't know I was just I was I was a fish out of water. Yeah. Um, I knew a lot about tactics. I knew a lot about you know that world. I had a lot of contacts in that world. And so getting business wasn't necessarily that challenging, but what was challenging was leading a team. So after a couple of years of uh, really just struggling and um, going through the process of all the pains of working way more hours than I ever had before for way less money than I ever had before, um, I hired my first coach and mentor. And, um, and that's where I started down the process back in 2016 of going through personal and professional development and understanding what that meant. Um, so if you kind of fast forward through time, um, we sold the company in 2019. Uh, we, um, I met Bedros Koulian, who um, some of your, your listeners uh, may know because he's widely referenced as the, um, the Tony Robbins of the fitness industry. Very well-known, very seasoned guy uh, and a absolute um, kind of... Um, mentor to a lot of people in that space. He owns Fit Body Bootcamp as a franchise, brought me down to Southern California as the executive director of operations, where I oversaw the operations, compliance, sales, and marketing uh, side of the franchise. So, Went down and, right before COVID. And that was for the Fit Body Bootcamp side. So yeah. you, you you got your business up and going, sold yeah. it, and then went to uh, kind of oversee that side of, of yeah. his fit body bootcamp. Okay. Yeah, cool. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he, Bader's and I had met a couple of years prior and, um, and we, we are act, uh, think and, and see the world very similarly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that led to an opportunity when I sold the company and reached out to him and say, I'm, I'm open to the next opportunity and chapter. And, uh, that led to him bringing me down. And then I found myself in franchising, but it was really from more of a leadership standpoint. Yeah. At that point, I'd really been going down the path of, of um of that personal professional development and Bedros was he was once where I was at that time and and was was then where I wanted to be yep. so he was several stages ahead of me and um in in all kinds of different areas in his um in his successes in business in his you know reputation and his adversity he had overcome the relationships that he had with his family and with uh with others 
And so um, I went down there very quickly. The um, myself, Ray Cash Care, former Navy SEAL, um, as it is his formal title, by the way, um, uh, came into the picture. Steve Eckert, former Marine, uh, from moved from New York to Southern California, and Aaron Alejandrino had recently been moved from um, from Scottsdale, Arizona to Southern California to work with Bedros on the supplement company side. We all kind of came in the picture right as I moved down there. And because of our backgrounds, we started having a discussion about um, what is now the project. So I'm one of the co-founders of the project, uh, which is a 75 hour, very immersive, very intense, very manufactured adversity um, driven um, development program. Uh, I'm one of the, the co-founders of the Squire program, which is a father-son development program, kind of a rite of passage huh. for young men. And uh, my current role uh, is the executive vice president of, um, of FitPro Tracker, which is a global fitness software. It's the CRM, it's the billing, communications, um, and um, app uh, sides of, of the fitness industry. And is that so, is that a part of that conglomerate or is this a separate no. thing? Separate, yes. Yeah. So I was approached, yeah, um, approached by them just over a year ago to come and join the team as the EVP. And um, it is a company that Bedros has uh, some equity in. And so he pulled me aside and said, hey, I think this would be a great opportunity for you. You should take a look at it. They they need what you have to offer and um, and they're willing to give you some equity in the deal. And so um, I don't know, you know much about software or you know SaaS uh, as a whole, or at least I didn't then. Um, but I, I was being brought in again for leadership. leadership. I'd figured out years before how to start effectively leading myself, which then allowed me to start effectively leading other people, which, uh, which is what they were attracted to. If I can just point out the obvious here, like that's not that many years no. where you're starting and like kind of floundering and all of a sudden yeah. opportunities are just hitting. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I look back and, you know, and, and to that point. Great is a year and a half ago, I started coaching others. So I've got a, a, a entrepreneurial mentorship and coaching program similar to yours. And um, and as I look back and 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 where where I've come in such a short period of time, it's almost I almost don't even recognize that person. And I, I don't even, I That's certainly so don't recognize cool. my circumstances. It's 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 pretty incredible how much can happen so quickly with with the right kind of people. Um, in your proximity with the right kind of intentionality, the right kind of discipline um, and, you know, accountability and, um, and just having high standards of expectations of myself and the others that I allow to be in my circle. Yes. It's incredible can happen. Yes, man. If again, emphasizing that to anyone listening, like wherever you're at in your life, I, I've seen this, you've seen it, like wherever you're at, if you start making some big changes from the inside out, yeah, you can totally transform your whole outside world. Where no it's, it's almost not recognizable yeah. anymore. Like, yeah, I couldn't have imagined this. Yeah. Yeah. It must start from the inside out. It, yeah. it must. It can't. Anything else is just is just fraudulent. Yeah. Right. It's do as I say, not as I do. It, it, yeah. I tried doing that. Um, I tried to fake it till you make it. And it just does not work. It, yeah. It's it, it has to start from the inside out. And then it's, it's once that happens, that transformation happens. That's when you have something to offer others that can improve their circumstances. Yes. Where, so you now get to help men do this and you've been through that. And I'm, and I'm sure I, man, you're, you're the kind of guy like am. like there's, there's never a, a graduation from education, right? There's oh, never man, yeah. like this time where you level off. It's like, no, we keep right. leveling up. So yeah. where would you say, where would you say men need to start? 
like on the, on this inside job, like where, where, where do we start? Where have you seen that? Like, you know what? And maybe, maybe there's no exact starting point because it's so unique to, to the individual, but have you noticed something you said, like, where, where's the place to begin the transformation, the change from the inside out? Um, so based on my own circumstance and then all the, you know, we have, I think we're getting close to 200 graduates of the project now of all the men that I interact with. I think the common thread is, um, a dropping the ego and, and B, um, pulling the mask off, you know, drop the ego, take off the mask and, and be willing to, um, take a raw look at, at yourself and, and, um, and really start to understand that, that we leadership is always the problem it is always the solution. Yeah. And, um, and ego kills so many things. Ego kills deals. It kills relationships. It kills opportunities. It kills people, right? Yeah. Ego, um, I think is probably the number one thing where guys, they, they want to live behind this facade and they, they rather than be vulnerable and rather than, than seek help to, to um, shine light on their blind spots and be called out and held accountable for the areas that they're, they're not, um, you know, not living up to their fullest potential or they're, they're lacking integrity and rather just go through that process. Cause it is a painful process, right. right. When to, to to really just take a raw look at yourself. Um, guys hide behind an ego and they hide behind a front and they, 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 they walk around with a mask on and they try to pretend that there's something that they're not. And they try to put out to the world that they're achieving things that they're not and that they're, they're doing things that they're not. And, um, and that is, that, that is so taxing of, of, of energy, of mental bandwidth. Um, and then what potential, Man, you leave oh, your potential yeah. sitting on the table because yeah. you're so determined. You're you're so um, desperate to put on an appearance. Yeah, right, right, yeah. And 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 a lot of guys are good at it too. Yeah. Great, they're they're great at putting on this this front. They're great at convincing the world that they are the thing that they're pretending to be. Yep. The problem is is a they know they're not. Yep. They know that that they're not that real thing, and so that eats away at them. Kills them from the uh, inside out. Knows, their wife knows. Yep. They're, you know, they're they become passive aggressive with the people that they're supposed to love and cherish the most, but yet those people get the worst of them because yep. they're the ones that know the truth and they're not tricking anybody. Their kids get the worst of it, right? Yep. So the the people that should get the best of us get, get the, the worst. worst of us when yep. we when we when we're a fraud and when we lack integrity with ourselves, even yes. if the rest of the world believes what what they're being spoon fed. Yes. And, and every time we live below what we know we're capable of, it, it just is a train wreck on the inside. It undermines yeah. the confidence, esteem, and all of that. And then you, yeah. you're spot on, right? The people closest to us, they know, they see through it. Mm-hmm. And so then, then you have to deal with that on top of it, that your yeah. wife's disappointed in you and your kids are disappointed. That's just yeah. that's the recipe for disaster. Yeah, I, I'd yeah. love to hear your thoughts on on maybe why one thing that I um, kind of discovered working with so many good men is yes, as men, we're afraid of failure, but what came out in so many discussions was how afraid we are of looking like a failure. Mm-hmm. 
how like, yeah, yeah, I'm afraid of failure, but if no one was watching, yeah, I'd try it. But if people are going to see me and say like, hi, I told you or whatever. So for some reason that just, that scares the crap out of us. Yeah. And I'll tell you, let me see if I can find this picture real quick that I took. It might be on my iPad. Give me a second because I took, have you ever heard of an Enneagram? Mm -hmm. So I took an Enneagram recently. My, my executive assistant, uh, Bridget actually brought it to my attention. She had taken it with her husband. She said, when I brought her on board, she recommended that, um, that I take it as well so that we could learn more about each other. Very cool. And there was three things that, um, that the, oh, here it is that, um, the gal Lori, who, who basically walks you through the process and it helps you understand the results. She said, there's each personality has three fears that, um, that we, we all have, and we all carry and Ooh, all of our actions and all of our decision-making is driven to, to um, not let these fears become reality. And so the three fears for me is uh, number one is I'm powerless. So everything that I do, every decision I make is to, um, is to not be perceived uh, powerless and to be, and to be perceived as powerful. Right. right? And there's, there's um, as Lori says, there's light and shadows to everything. So there's, there's a lot of power to, to being powerful, but there's a lot of shadows to it as well, right? So so understanding that is critical. Thing number two is I'm ashamed of my weaknesses. So the other thing I'm I'm desperately afraid of is to be weak. And so everything that I do is to not be weak. Um, and then the third thing is I have the fear of being vulnerable, right? And so um, how I communicate and what I communicate and the style I communicate um, is based on this fear of being perceived as vulnerable. And it's a it's a fascinating thing. If, if your, if your listeners have never taken an Enneagram, there's one thing that I could um, stress as an action item is to, um, is to do that and do it with your spouse or significant other, others that you work very closely with. My wife just went through it. Um, and um, it, it's very, it's very helpful to understand yourself better, but it's also very, very helpful to understand the people you're closest with, so how true. they think and how they see the world and the things that they're most afraid of that drive their decision-making and their behaviors and their thought processes. It's so true. Cause it, R Rachel and I did that as well. And it just unlocks so much to understand yourself better and understand your spouse. Yeah. You, the, those three fears, man, I know it's per personality, but you, you just reading those, like, I think most men can relate to those three. Yeah, <laughs> like very well good. That just stands out right there. Like, Oh yeah, that, that just comes up on the radar and how yeah. fear is such a driving factor. Yeah. And all yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's and fear is a very healthy thing, too, if it's right. if it's channeled the right way. Right. Anger and rage can be a very healthy thing if it's channeled the right way. You know, the project, our crest is a skull with two axes through it in a in a, in a battle helmet. And um, the reason for that is the skull reminds us that we're immortal, that we will die. So to live life with urgency, um, one axe is um, to remind us that we build. But what we build is very important. We can build businesses. We can build families. We can build relationships. We can build wealth. We can build opportunity and legacy. Uh, but the other axe is that we can destroy and be yeah. very careful what we destroy, right? Because we can we can destroy relationships. We can destroy opportunity. We can destroy wealth. We can destroy legacy. Um, and so what we build, what we destroy is, is very important um, on this short time that we have in this world. And this, the, the helmet just rem uh, reminds us that we're warriors. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to these fears, uh, the, the, 
the, the fact that we know that we're supposed to be the protector and we know that we're supposed to be the provider. It's innate in us. That's, you know, that we come from very tribal beginnings, right? This, this hunting gathering uh, element of our ancestry and, and, and it's woven into our DNA. Right. Um, and so as a man, we know that we're supposed to be the protector. We know that we're supposed to be the provider and, um, and that protection and that, you know, what we're providing is, you know, we're supposed to be providing security, you know, financial security and relational security and physical security and providing, you know, opportunities for, for time freedom and money freedom and, and, and experiences. And opportunity. Well, yeah. It's yeah. the fear. It's a fear of not being able to do and achieve what, what we were designed to do what we what we are are built to do and to provide um i think probably all men do fear very similar things or at least um they shouldn't if they shouldn't then that's a, probably a different conversation yeah <laughs> agreed man so insightful so insightful so well, and so you hit on a couple of, of main things there i also want to ask like in in your your work with so many different uh, individuals and and individuals from from all kinds of backgrounds. You got men yeah. coming in with tremendous wealth and success in mm-hmm. one area or, or in the other, and and across yeah. industries and fields. Like what what else besides what we've already mentioned? What else are you seeing that's not working, and and what's what is working? And I think maybe maybe there's some insight there in that connection. But what are you seeing like major problems that are they're relevant right now? You know. Um... Jocko willing, you know, he, he, he put out that book, extreme ownership. I think there's probably awesome. one thing that is, yeah, that is, that is missing are, are people willing to take ownership of their actions? People who, who don't want to accept the fact that we, every single one of us, you, me, and everybody else, we always maintain the power and control to change our circumstances. Yes. As long as we are willing to be accountable for the decision-making and actions that we, um, that we put forward. And I, I see, I see too many people pointing the finger, but the inherent problem with that is that uh, when you're pointing the finger at other people or other circumstances, you're, you're, you're giving them the pen to, to write the story of your life, right? You're, yes. you're telling them that, that they, they have the responsibility to dictate what you do or don't do. Um, and I, and I think that's tragic. I, I think that's one of the, 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 um, the main problems that I see is just this total lack of, of accountability and this total willingness to, to blame others, yep. um, for the, 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 their reality, their, whatever their circumstances are. Yep. So true. Every time we do that, every time we blame, every time we excuse or justify or rationalize, we're taking our power and, and handing it over. Yeah. Well, or setting it down because nobody else cares about you or your dream. Honestly, at the end of the day, nobody's going to pick up your power and do it for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I tell people, you know, you either have a seat at the table or you're on the menu. So, you know, (laughs) you're in life. You're, if you, if you don't think that a competitor would take you out, if you don't think that, look, you know, there's a lot of guys that this whole dad bod thing is like a, is like a thing, right? Where guys want to try to convince themselves that chicks are attracted to dad bods. They're not, they're, they're, attracted to, they're, they're attracted to guys who take care of themselves. They're attracted yep. to guys that take care of their mind, their bodies, their finances, their circumstances that, that create opportunity. Um, and you know, the, the, the stories that a lot of these guys are telling themselves. And, and, and by the way, I speak, from a guy as a guy, and I don't try to pretend to, to know the psyche of a female. 
Um, and so a lot of what I come from is it may be universal truths. Your female listeners can determine whether or not this is applicable to them or not. But um, certainly there's a lot of universal truths within leadership. But, you know, coming from a guy's standpoint is uh, there's there's um, you're, if you're if you're if you're thinking that competitors won't come in and take what you have uh, and you, you think that you can stand idle and that your your wife or significant other is not going to have needs that go unmet in whatever fashion you're fooling yourself yep. right we we our, our wives they have expectations of us and if those expectations are greater than than the expectations that we have of ourselves yep. then problems start to get introduced yeah right and you're yeah you start living lives that are that are that are two ships passing uh at night exactly. and um and, and, and again, it comes back to accountability. It comes back to, to ownership and taking that pen back and, and not just being, you know, in the game of life, Greg, it's not just about being uh, in the bleachers and watching it happen, right? Exactly. It's, it, it's not even about being on the sidelines and being somewhat of uh, a participant, you know, having minimal kind of, you know, fading in and out of, of what's happening on the field. It's actually getting on the field and, and interacting and, and making a difference. It's, it's taking control and, and running the plays and moving the ball down the field and scoring the, the, the touchdowns, right. It's, it's, it's getting onto the field. And so, um, you know, I would love to see more men take the, take control of their lives, not be on the menu in, in their health their wealth their finances and, and relationships and, and and get a seat at the table, but yep. also understand you've got to earn that seat. Like if you want to sit at my table, people want to sit at your table, they've got to earn yeah. that seat. You don't yep. just you don't just get an opportunity. There's not just an empty chair there. That chair is filled by somebody else who wants it more than you do. Exactly. Oh Matt, that's awesome, man. Um a, a, another way to, that that I've said this before, kind of visualize is like if you're not setting goals. Other people, it doesn't even have to be a competitor. Other people will use you for their goals. Sure. Like if you're not filling your schedule, other people will fill it. They'll just jump yeah. right in, whether it's from your email box or notifications, whatever. Somebody else fill your schedule for you. If you sure. don't have a plan, somebody else is going to fit you right into theirs. Sure. And yeah. it's the same thing, man. You got like, and it's it's intimidating, right? Um, I, I remember feeling this. I'm sure you do too. Like the the intimidation of getting out of the bleachers. Mm -hmm. And getting onto the field and picking up the ball and trying to make a play. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, what if I mess up? Yeah. Which you will. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. will screw up. You have the ball in your face. Part of the process. And, yeah. And you're going to own it and people are going to watch and there's mm -hmm. going to be a bunch of I told you so's. Mm -hmm. But what's the alternative? Sure. The alternative to staying in the features, man, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And letting somebody yeah. else write your story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mediocrity. The, the alternative is not being better. Uh, a year from now than than we are right now, right? And that's that's tragic. It's you know the, a year is going to come, and for those that stand on the bleachers or sit on the bleachers or stand on the sidelines, one year from now, in their health, wealth, and relationships, they're not going to be much better off. And that's that's a tragic Absolutely. that's a tragic thing to me because of we're all we all are we all have a legacy, you know, one way or the other, a good one or a bad one. Um, we all are, are are leaving a footprint on this world, whether it's a big one or small one, and we all um, will will die a physical death. Now, um, we all will die two deaths, and, and some people don't ever experience the second one. But the the second one is the last time anybody ever utters your name, and the last time anybody ever understands you are on this on this earth. Right? There's family members that I have. I carry their DNA 
and I would never know they even existed ever. And that, and that's, you're only talking about two generations away. Like my, I could not tell you my great grandparents' name. Yep. Now, maybe that's because of the background I came in and I had so many, you know, uh, guys coming and going that my family history is, is, um, elusive to me, but I would venture to say that most people start to really, uh, uh, lose track of their, their great grandparents and certainly their great, great parents. Right. So, you know, not, not, um, not, uh, dying that second death prematurely is all about the legacy that is, that is, um, left. It's all about the number of lives you impacted and the, and the, and the, the, the amount of charity you gave and the amount of people you helped and the amount of value you delivered, right? It's, it's not about the amount of money that's, that's in the bank account, although it, money is a vehicle to be able to make a lot of things happen. So they go hand in hand, but, um, yeah, you've got to get off the bleachers. You've got to get onto the field. You've got to be willing to make the mistakes. You've got to be vulnerable. That's that's tough for a lot of guys. You've got to be vulnerable. Um, but at the same time, understand that without adversity, there's no growth, yep. right? Without without the challenges that come with with getting outside your comfort zone, there's there's no development there. Yes. Man, seems seems to me, brother, the absolute guarantee to be forgotten is just to live a mediocre existence. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Just, just coast along because nobody ever coasted to the top. You just right. drift and, and you'll be forgotten because there's right. nothing there worth remembering, which I'm with you, man. We, I, I think everyone listening and, and all of us have the opportunity to, to strategically and intentionally design a, a legacy that lasts. Yeah. 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 And, and it is up to us. It, it really is. I mean, success will not fall in our lap. It must be created. Success favors the bold. It, it favors the action takers. It favors the prepared. Um, and, you know, success is compounding in nature, right? Yeah. Every single day, we're stacking one or two things, wins or losses. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the, the the goal is to stack more wins and losses. And at the end of the week, more wins and losses. At the end of the month and year, it's more wins and losses. And that's how you gain momentum. And once that momentum's gained, I mean, we, we talked earlier, like, look at how far I've come. And it's, I almost Just don't recognize that the, it's, it was the intentionality of first starting with dropping the ego, dropping the mask, willing to take feedback from others who were in a better place than I was and, and, and make the investments in time and energy and money to go out and, and, and get into the circles of other people that could help me. And then when I got the feedback, not point blame, uh, not try to, to, to rationalize it off or talk around it, but just to accept yes. it and, oh, and execute yep. on it. And then, and then watch what happens. Love it. This is actually a perfect time right there. Let's talk about maybe some mistakes or fail failures. I don't know. I'm sure there's a few that come to mind because right. as you're chasing greatness, as you're, you know, sticking your neck out there and taking some risk, there's going to be some, some failures and mistakes and some big lessons. Yeah. Uh, are there any in your journey that come to mind that could be instructive for all of us? Oh yeah, dude. So I think that, I think the most, um, monumental ones came the first couple of years when I owned the company back in 2013, 2014, 2015, um, when, when I was, I was breaking promises to myself. So I was trying to take that fake it till you make it approach. And, um, and I was, I was telling myself I was going to eat better when, when ultimately I drive through Taco Bell or grab, you know, McDonald's. Um, I tell myself I was going to work out you know, X days a week. And I would do a fraction of that, if any of them, I tell myself I was going to, 
um, you know, make, make a certain number of sales calls, or I was going to do this and this. And, and I would make all these commitments to myself that ultimately I wasn't keeping. And it wasn't that I couldn't keep them. It was just that I wasn't disciplined enough to keep them, or I was unwilling to keep them, or I would make excuses for not keeping them. And then I just started feeling this total fraud. And then I, and then I would, I would, I would insulate myself and isolate myself from the rest of the world by self-sabotage. And it was like this, it was this, this crumbling that was happening because I knew that although I was telling the world that owning a business was great and that being an entrepreneur was great and that my late relationship was great, I knew that my finances were shit. My credit score went from the high 700s down to, I, I don't even know what how low it went, but it had to have been like in the fours. Maybe, maybe lower. I don't know. Going negative. But, <laughs> oh, dude, probably <laughs> negative. It was just, yeah, it just nosedived. And um, I was, you know, having conversations with my wife uh, about, you know, do we separate? Like, like, is this thing going to work out? Wow. Because it, 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 it starts to hit everything. Everything affects everything. everything. It, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, but the rest of the world would see it different. Every if, if, Anybody who asked, life was great, right? And that's, and that was this, that was the, the challenge behind it. So, you know, one of the, the major lessons learned and one of the major things I would, I would impress upon any of your listeners and every person I come in contact with, all of my coaching clients, all the project uh, candidates is, uh, is don't be a, don't be a fraud. Yeah. You know, ju- you don't try to be something that you're not and, and start by only making commitments to yourself that you will keep. Yep. Never make a commitment to yourself that you're either unwilling to keep or you're unable to keep because when you start breaking those promises to yourself, then, then the credibility that we have with ourselves starts to erode. Yes. And then, and then, and then we're not, and then we're not being authentically who we, who we are meant to be. And we're not presenting ourselves to the world unless you're walking around just telling everybody like, I'm a shit show. Like I've just, you know, I'm, I, I, I break promises. I have no integrity, which people don't do. Right. And so it, it again, it goes back to all the energy that it takes to be a fraud and how it does have this, this, this ripple effect into the most important relationships of your life. And, um, and again, that, that I would say I would, I would start there is, um, is with credibility with ourselves and, um, and then, and then, um, establishing credibility with ourselves and start the process and the journey with that. And then, um, and then do the things that you say you're going to do, yep. be the places you, you, you say you're going to be, be there and be there for the people, be there for yourself. Um, don't tell your, your spouse or significant other, uh, or kids that you're going to do something you're not going to do yep. because nobody will take you seriously. If you're, if you have a reputation, well, uh, of breaking promises, including and, yourself, you won't take yourself seriously. Yep. And they can't trust you and you can't trust yourself because trust is, right. is built on that. So every time, even with little things of like, Hey, I'm going to get up and then you hit the snooze button three times yeah. or man, I'm going to, I'm going to hit that today. And you don't, or I just keep thinking, I hear it all the time. People are funny with, with expediency. They're like, well, I'm not going to eat crap. And then they're like, Oh, I'm hungry. So they yes. stop and grab some trash. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what happened to that? Like, well, I was hungry. Well, yeah. I don't, nobody cares if you're hungry, man. Live yeah. by your principles, not your expediency. Yeah. But it's right. little things like that, man. And you're spot on where it undermines trust. And if you don't trust yourself, it radiates from you. Yeah. And so yeah. then other people don't trust you either. And now you're operating from the state and you maybe can't even articulate it on either side. Yeah. But it's just not working. Right. And, th- and that that that's a great point that you bring up because when when 
things really started to change me, Greg, was when I when I established non-negotiable core values yep. for myself. Yes. And I was living a life without core values. So I had no real direction. I, I, I wasn't, I had no real path. I was just kind of, uh, it was a groundhog day for me. I would, I would get up, I would do the things and maybe I would win some, maybe I would lose some, but there was no real direction. It wasn't even about goal setting. It was just, I didn't have a North star for, for myself. And so when I yes. set my core values, yes, which by the way is, is, um, integrity and in everything it is burn the boats is have a high give a shit factor. Um, and it is, um, let's see, high give a shit factor, burn the boats, integrity and everything. And, um, why am I forgetting the fourth one? I'm on the spot. I don't remember. It'll come back to you as soon as you keep going. (laughs) It will be. It will. It will. It will. But you have to have them, right? You have to, they have to be non-negotiable. And, and they, all your decisions are, have to come from them and they, they can't, they can't be something that you're like, oh yes and no. And and here's, um, uh, I'll make this decision this day. And then on this day and, um, and, and so that would be the other thing I would, I would say is, is to have core values for, for yourself, have core values for your family. Um, and, and then don't break them and you know, under and any as, circumstances, don't break them. As a side benefit of what you just described, it makes decision-making so much easier, right? Because 100%. you're like, I have core values. I have non-negotiables. So you come to a crossroads, any crossroads, and it's easy. You just grab your decision and say, well, this, this fit. And if it doesn't, it's out. If it does, okay, let's let's evaluate it. But so yeah. many people is wishy-washy. The wind comes in, the waves come in, what whatever's happening, like, oh, life. and and then we hear these guys saying, Well, man, life got in the way. I'm like, man, life doesn't get in the way of non-negotiables. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um it, it, and only if you allow it to. Only yeah. if it's only if um you tell yourself it's a non-negotiable when it's not. Yep. Uh, the fourth one is um, uh, emotionally and physically disciplined, Perfect. by the way, Beautiful. emotionally, physically disciplined. Um, so, yeah. And that, so when I, when I, um, when I established that, that would be the, that would be, I think when, when things really started to change for me. Um, uh, and um, I, I think is, is, is really something where not enough people have, and if they had, if they did, they would experience the benefits from it. Big time. How can I ask how how did that translate for you into the day to day week to week? Like, what were the habits, rituals, routines? What are the patterns? Because you, like you got your hands in all kinds of businesses. You have a family. You, you you're in jujitsu and all kinds of other stuff, and yeah. running and gunning and playing with awesome toys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you? Because this comes up a lot, and people are like, "Well, how how do I do it all? And how do I do it well?" Um, yeah. In my experience, I, I've observed like. For a lot of men, it's either it's good at home or it's good at work, but rarely yeah. both. Yeah. Um, so how do you yeah. take those core values and translate them into uh, daily practices? Uh, two things. Thing number one is um, proximity. So I, I am a I am a true believer that being polarizing is is totally uh, healthy and appropriate um, by um, by pushing away unhealthy people, unhealthy habits, unhealthy conversations pushing away drama and toxicity and 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 like like you know the negative side to a to a positive side of a magnet it just it is just ejected from the circumstances while at the same time you're pulling in 
be positive people, the positive behaviors, the positive habits, and and to be polarizing in your life, but allowing the core values to to be the thing that says, I have high standards of expectations, and you either meet them or you don't. And if you don't, you get pushed out. If you do, you get pulled in. It's okay to to edit and even delete relationships with people and circumstances and habits that are not are not serving you well, that are that are getting in the way from you achieving your fullest potential. Um, you know, so um, I think that I think that is the um, the the biggest thing is just to is just to recognize that um, it's okay to be polarizing and it's healthy to be polarizing as long as you're attracting and rejecting the right things, the right people, right habits. The other thing is don't seek balance, right? You hear people talk about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Well, balance is a net zero. In order for you to be balanced, all things are equal. And and if, if you have big audacious goals, if you have things that you want to achieve, you cannot have balance in your life mm -hmm. because you're you're not going forwards or backwards. Uh, rather than than trying to strike a balance in things, because if everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. Yep. Right? Exactly. Nothing is a priority if everything is. So what you're looking to actually strike is work-life mix to where when I'm doing jujitsu, me, and my, my, my wife and my son, we all train, we all compete in jujitsu, which is uh, key. You're doing belt. it together. It's family time inside cool hobbies. Correct. Exactly. Yes. And so we, we show up together. My son goes to kids class and my wife and I, we go and we watch and we go, when we go there, we go and we watch. Right. And then when we train, we go and we train and she trains on one side. I train on another side and we're a hundred percent in when we're doing jujitsu, we are doing a hundred percent jujitsu. When we leave jujitsu and we come home and it's family time, it's time for dinner. It's a hundred percent family time, right? When it's time for work, when, when you and I are connecting on these calls and I'm working with my coaching clients, we're it's a hundred percent in, in that mode of this is what I'm doing now. I'm a hundred percent in when we're doing the project, it's 75 hours long. We're a hundred percent involved in this immersive experience of making these men better and and that's what that's what I found to be um, my my recipe for success is to not strike work life balance, strike work life mix. Where I I do a tremendous amount of things with my family. I mean we we do just about everything together. But when we're doing these things together, sometimes we're having our own experiences within that. But we're we're a hundred percent in right. Just like jujitsu. When I'm in business, I'm a hundred percent in. When I'm with, you know with friends, I'm a hundred percent in. And, um, and that level of intentionality is, is, um, is something where you're not, everything's not a priority, just the, that thing is the priority. So it becomes a priority. And, um, and then when I shift gears, it's, it's on to the next thing. And now I'm able to give my time and attention, my energy, my efforts, my, my, my contributions, my talents to that thing. And, um, and it's, and it's uh, proven to work out very, very well. Yes. And that. That right there, it's so it seems so simple, so elementary, but at least as I'm observing uh, the conditions of the world, it's becoming uh, interestingly so rare and so difficult. Yeah. Yes, because of I mean, we get addicted to the dings and the alerts and the mm -hmm. notifications and the emails and all the inner endless entertainment. Like one yeah. one doctor called it an unending stream of visual trash. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's coming from everywhere. But that intentionality of like, hey, if it's worth doing, I'm all in. All in. Right now, this time, I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard somebody say one time you'd be either be fully engaged or strategically disengaged. 
Sure. It's one or the other. You're not yeah. just like drifting around, whatever, half in, half out. It, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. When you say drifting, um, have you ever read the book, uh, Outwitting the Devil? Uh, yes. It is a, it, for all of your listeners, highly, highly recommend it. Um, I actually recommend it listening to it because it's the author is actually interviewing the devil and he talks about drifters, right? He talks about how the devil who really just represents all of the things that aren't in our best interest and, and how, how, um, the, the, those things deviate us from us reaching our fullest potential and tapping into really what we're made of. Um, but how drifters are like the number one, uh, element to, um, to, to us, uh, not fulfilling what we're capable of and um and fighting that that um that temptation to drift is of the utmost importance wow it's huge so cool yesterday i just had a long conversation with one of my clients about outwitting the devil <laughs> yeah That's yeah cool. it's, a, it's a great book it is right. it is um and it makes it, me makes me think of there's this one scene in dante's um inferno mm-hmm. uh, and he talks about this this hell, this special hell that's reserved for the uncommitted. Mm. And it, it, it makes me think that drifting or coasting yeah. or just kind of being partway there. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a special kind of torment. Yeah. Even yeah. I would say in this life, right. For people who oh, aren't in. That That's exactly what comes to mind is, is the, the number of people, you know, and maybe people listening to this podcast right now that, they just they have this 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 desire to be more to have more to give more to earn more to contribute more and donate more and they just they they have this desire but they 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 just aren't the reality is they just aren't and um and, and there's root causes that need to be dealt with and there there's issues that need to be addressed but that's that is my version of a living hell yeah. for for people to to not be fulfilling what they're capable of and want to be they want it but they're just they're not that's just to me that is that's torture torture yeah yeah Yeah, truly yeah you're so right man just such a pain point there yeah wow um any any specific daily uh habits or practices some insightful like what what time you get up what time you go to bed um any, any routines that that are maybe unique to you or you found have been super helpful um, I'm up at four in the morning. So my Woo! wife, my son, my, my, myself were up four this morning. Uh, we were at the gym by five this morning. Um, there's a, there's a Instagram story that I put of us like five Oh five. And we're on the treadmills at the gym together. Yeah. Um, we're all in, we're all in. Right. So uh, every morning I, I get my workouts in, I know myself well enough to know that if I don't do it in the morning, it, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and so we, we work out in the morning um, come home. I, I, I intermittent fast. Um, and, um, and then I, I'll start my, my day, my day starts, you know, between my, uh, my role with the software company or my coaching clients is starting, um, at eight and eight in the morning. Okay. Um, and then, um, and then we just get after it. So my, my schedule is, is, is very strict. I, I hired an executive assistant to help me manage it, to help me stay on track and make sure that, um, that I'm getting all the shit done that I need to. Um, but, we are, uh, I make sure that my day is wrapped up by um, no later than five o'clock. That's all business, everything. My calendar shuts off all business yeah. at five o'clock. Um, I don't take a coaching call. I don't do, I don't do anything business related. Um, now that our boys back in school, we do evening class jujitsu. So last night we were doing jujitsu until 
um, until 7.30 at night, came home, ate dinner, uh, had some downtime, some family time, and then we were up four in the morning at the gym. And so not, that's not much that's downtime because you got to get in bed. <laughs> You're getting up get in at bed. four. We were in bed by 9.30. Woo! Yeah, we were in bed by 9.30. I did, I did 4 a.m. Um, almost 20 years. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible what you can get done in the morning before other people can get up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, my wife, you know, it started the, the, the season starting to change here in Idaho. So the you know not getting light um, as uh, as early and, and getting you know dark a little bit earlier. And so we we're leaving the gym this morning, and and we, you know we're leaving at um, at six, and um, and uh, it's still dark outside. Yeah, so you leave life, like, leave you know, the gym and it's still dark. You're right. Ah. Leaving the gym is still dark, and that's yeah. My and my this is my 13 year old son as well. That's you know, so awesome. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. One last question, man. What what's something you are chasing? Just something you're you personally are are hungry for right now. Just something that lights you up, lights your fire. You're you're going after. Uh, I'm chasing. I'm chasing a number of things. I'm chasing being the best husband um, out there. Um, to to be the best husband to my wife that I can absolutely be. I'm chasing being the best dad uh, I can absolutely be. Um, I'm I'm running from the experiences that I had as a, as a kid and, and chasing opposite, uh, for my son, uh, I'm chasing wealth. Uh, wealth is, is something where a lot of people have unhealthy relationship to yes, money. Exactly. And, um, and, and I, I would, I would, you know, another thing I would really impress on, on your listeners is money is a vehicle to a lot of really important things. Yep. What, what people spend money on that makes them happy and provide security um, is up to them, but uh, money is a vehicle. Money allows for me to have a substantial amount of money in the bank right now that um, has allowed for us to create our own economy. I don't pay attention to gas prices. I don't pay attention to this thing called inflation. I don't pay attention to uh, you know these other things that that unfortunately a lot of Americans and a lot of people around the world are really struggling with. But I live in America, and America is is the greatest country in the world, right? And, and there's so much opportunity money has allowed for me to to insulate and isolate myself from all kinds of circumstances that i have no control over i can't control what the white house is doing i can control what russia china ukraine north korea i can't control what these other people are doing that are changing the the the, the outlook of our economy and this recession that that we're in um, but i can control the the amount of money that i make that allows for me to put my son in a, in a private school that's a business school an entrepreneur school uh for him i i can i can i can um just not have any financial worries and any any uh, and a lot of time and money freedom right so i'm chasing wealth so i can provide the best insurances the best experiences the best opportunities i can donate the most i can give the most amount to to charities and uh and um and and impact as many people as i can um, through helping in as many ways that i can um i'm chasing um, a legacy. I'm chasing a, a to to create this this legacy to where uh, many many people will know my name for many years after I physically pass, uh, and um, and to have a positive impact on as many people as I can, leave as big of a footprint on this world as I can. Um, I, I, I my, the the work will never be done. There's never a point where um, I've arrived, and so I constantly. Um, and chasing this this element of um, uh, what I call blissful dissatisfaction, mm -hmm. which is I am I am tremendously proud 
of the growth that I've experienced over the last, you know, five to six years. I'm, I'm, I'm tremendously proud of, of the relationship I now have with my wife, my son, and, and, and everything that we've been able to accomplish in such a short period of time, all things considered. Um, but the dissatisfaction part is there's still so much work to be done. And so I can't, I can't take my foot off the gas pedal. I can't, I can't, um, allow myself to start making compromises to my core values or to allowing for for people or circumstances or habits to to come in to my ethers that are um, lower than my standards of expectations. I can't allow it because there's there's too much work to be done. And the day that I die, there will still be more work to be done. I still won't be the best leader, the best father, the best husband, the best contributor and protector and provider. So, I'm, 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 I'm chasing that. I'm just uh, constantly chasing the, the wins uh, because I'm either stacking those or I'm stacking losses and I refuse to stack losses. Yeah. So that, that will exist from now until eternity. Yes, exactly. My wife and I call that divine discontent. Mm, like yeah. celebrate where you came from, just keep on going. Yeah. And I know, I mean, yeah. you probably come across too. I come across men. They're like, man, that sounds exhausting hearing you say like i'm chasing it to the end and then i'm going to chase it on the next life wherever that is like yeah. i'm going you're like oh can i just stop and rest but i'm with you i have that mm -hmm. hunger and yeah. that drive yeah. well and i love i love you pointed out like when we take care of our own economy we don't have to worry so much about the economy yeah it's our right. economy is in the right place and right. same with with our relationship and our health and yeah. and our sovereignty right to get in and for the guys that would say that that seems like a lot of work, what I would tell you is what's a lot of work is gaining the momentum. What was a lot of work was removing the mask, yeah. was 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 uh, eliminating the ego, was seeking out feedback and executing on that feedback. What was a lot of work was was turning the corner from the person that I was to the person that I wanted to be. That was a that was a lot of work. Now that the momentum is there. It's not a lot of work. It's it's fun. It is truly fun when you get to this place. It's an exciting thing. I mean, yep. it, it it truly is. It's not it, it's not nearly as much work as many people might think it is. Gaining momentum is 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 a lot of work. Um, regaining it after you lose it um, is a lot of work. But when that when that spin wheel is is flying and you just keep doing the things that have been proven to be successful. And you keep having a high standard of expectations and keep following your North Star and keep your, your core values non-negotiable. It's not a lot of work. It's a lot of fun is what it it's is. It's a lot of fun. It's dang fun yeah. to keep stacking wins. It is. <laughs> I yeah. love it. All right, brother, where, where can people connect with you, man? Uh, Instagram. I'm, I'm real prominent on Instagram. Uh, you can just find me at uh, Matt Schneider underscore official. And then I've got a link tree with um, links to the, some of the things we talked about, the Squire program, the project, the coaching so people can um, can find me to that link. But Instagram is going to be the number one way. I um, highly encourage anybody that has questions, uh, wants some follow-up conversations, just throw it in the DM and um, and love to connect with anybody who's truly passionate about elevating their circumstances and willing to take action. I'll connect with them all day long. Love it, brother. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for for the legacy you're living. Yeah, and thank for setting you, an example for leading out and being a model. And thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. This was a lot of fun.